you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. Uh, I've got a bit of a confession, Ben. Oh God, it's not that story, is it? Yeah, well, I'm not doing that one. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, we did uh, an episode on friendly ghosts. And we said during the episode, because we'd done one on kind of evil, evil entities, and we'd see which was better, which did better, the evil ones or the friendly ones. Yes, like so, a real-time poll. Like a poll, yeah, but we yeah. do it on the actual numbers. Yeah. So I, 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 we forgot to do it last week, so I remembered this week. <laughs> I went in to check them, and then I accidentally hit draft on the episode instead of update, which means we lost all the data for the friendly ghost episode and all the plays. Oh. So I had to republish it. So we're never going to know. But, you know, I mean... It was an accident, but as Freud said, there's no such thing as an accident. So I don't know if it was either the paranormal at work or it was just I didn't want to know the answer to that question. Who knows? Uh, th- that that intersection between like creative output and technology is now so <laughs> intertwined. Um, and my fat fingers is so intertwined. Uh, no, but like genuinely, like I... I've worked with, they call, if you've never published anything, they're called content management systems. And they're all different and they're all really tricksy. And no two are the same. And it is so easy to make a kerfuffle. Just before we started recording, I said to Peter, oh, I did accidentally take Sky One off air for about six (laughs) minutes once. And it's it's just a simple mistake. So... No fault, no foul, and uh, 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 let's go with the fact it was a paranormal entity that was evil trying to influence the Influence the vote, which I'm going to stick with that. I I think we should stick with that, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And the other thing that's worth mentioning last week's episode, which I I really enjoyed listening back to that, um, on the planes, trains and automobiles, (laughs) there was a point where you were a little bit disparaging about a Renault Megane. Do you remember? Oh, yes. I mean, they're awful, but yes. Yes. And I said to you, be careful, we'll lose the Renault Megane crowd. Oh, yeah. And just Steve, who is one of our big followers, listens to everything we do and is on Twitter, he he responded to the episode episode by saying, Oi, at TQM Podcast, beefing the Renault Megane because <laughs> he used to own one but then he did say in brackets okay I had to scrap mine after 52,000 miles but still <laughs> <laughs> well look like is nothing against Renault's when I was 17 I coveted a Renault 5 GT Turbo but later on in life I and I think this is a confession and this is a confession that will mean nothing to anybody outside of Europe I bought a brand new Citroen Picasso but I will say I know and everyone was like you haven't got any kids what are you doing I just really like the look of them I was a Citroen fan I know 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 but, well, just Steve. I mean, how could he? How could he say that about the Renault Macau when he owned a Citroen Picasso? I know. Oh, no, we've just lost the Picasso crowd. Now. No, no, no. <laughs> but I ran that Picasso to one hundred eighty-two thousand miles from new, and I sold it on. So, like, is nothing. Like, if you owned a Renault again, that's fine. I was just commenting on, <laughs> like, when you look back at them now, when, when you know, the other day. My my partner took her car in for a service and we got an electric uh, Vauxhall Corsa as a courtesy car. That is like something from the future. It's wow. extraordinary. And so if you compare that to like a 2004 diesel Renault Megane, it's like, it's like sitting on a no piece contest. of farm machinery. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't snobbery. It's just, it's just facts. But like, no judgment, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend. I, I'm sure Just Steve will still be with us because he does. I think he'll forgive our, our Renault faux pas. Um, so last week, 
after we finished recording, we started. We we were discussing what to do because it's the Easter holidays. It is. Uh, and we weren't going to do an episode this week. We were going to take a week off. But Ben and I were talking about Easter, and our discussions moved on to the Easter Bunny. Hmm. What, what were its origins? Were there any paranormal lore or stories connected? to it so rather than not do an episode we decided to put together a short little episode on bunnies oh they're so cute they're so cute and i've been hopping around the internet <laughs> hey, hey, so there could there could be a few puns in fact there's two in this sentence i've been hopping around the internet and have literally <laughs> dropped down a rabbit hole you are listening to the dad joke podcast <laughs> yes so the question is how did a cute rabbit that leaves chocolate eggs for children become intertwined with a christian holiday especially as as far as i know there's no mention of that bunny in the bible right I, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know the Bible very well, but I've never heard of a, I've never heard of a rabbit in the Bible, no. Yep. Well, I've been doing a bit of digging around, and as with the number... <laughs> stop, just <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop, all right, I'll stop. <laughs> with a number of Western and Christian traditions, it actually dates back to pagan times, as everything seems to do, Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, according to Time magazine, the symbol of the rabbit stems from the ancient pagan tradition based on the festival of, I'm going to say this right, Ostre. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I do know that name. Do you know that that's where we That's where we get the word Easter from, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And it was a festival that honoured the goddess of fertility and spring. Because obviously, spring has sprung, everything's coming out again. Things coming back to life. So why the rabbit? Well, as the cliche goes, Ben, breeding like a rabbit. Yep. They're pretty good at breeding. So it's basically why they became a symbol of fertility and rebirth tied into spring. And it seems that this either influenced or became intertwined with a German legend of the, I'm going to say this right as well, Osterhaus or Osterhaus. You heard of that one? Uh, n- n- no, that. So, like in English, is that Easter House or? Well, I'm not sure actually. But this legend basically talks about a hare, large rabbit, I guess, mm-hmm. that would lay, lay colourful eggs as gifts for children that behave well. <laughs> <laughs> it would lay them, okay. It would lay them, that's very important. Okay, so so somewhere in its kalaka, it is <laughs> creating not only chocolate eggs, but also some kind of fanciful wrapping. Well, they weren't chocolate in the German tradition. Oh, they okay. were just eggs, okay. but they were colourful. Right, right, okay. And children would make a nest for the bunny to be able to lay its eggs in. Ah, okay. And and sometimes kids would leave out carrots so they could attract the creature, which also reminds me of a Christmas tradition. Yeah, Rudolph, well. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then in the 1700s, the custom reached America, introduced by German immigrants. And I guess over the years, the bunny's MO was expanded to include treats like chocolates and toys and stuff like that so you can see how the pagan origins of the german custom that include the hair laying colorful eggs morphed into eggs becoming treats and chocolate right that's natural progression yeah and i also thought you could see how kids making nests for the eggs to be laid in then kind of morphed into baskets to put the eggs that you're collecting on a yeah yeah right exactly exactly makes sense right yeah it does it does i mean there's there's a weird thing there where somebody explains to their kid so there's a rabbit and it comes and lays an eggs mummy do do rabbits lay eggs um yes well it's (laughs) I've got an answer for that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that is the big question, right? 
How is it that a bunny or a hare gets to lay eggs? Okay, there are a couple of mammals that do. Famously, there's the duckbill platypus. There's also one called a spiny anteater, which looks a bit like a hedgehog. And that lays, that lays eggs. eggs. Yeah, that lays eggs, yeah. And it's a mammal because it feeds its young through milk. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it hatches a young and then feeds them on tea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, that's extraordinary. I didn't know that. But there are no hares or rabbits that do that, so the laying <laughs> eggs is a bit weird. Okay. But it looks likely that connects also back to this pagan spring fertility fe- uh, festival that I mentioned earlier, because eggs are considered a sign of fertility. Mm. Yeah. Well, so it makes sense. I mean, I can see why. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got this pagan festival connected to fertility and spring, fertility associated with rabbits and eggs, the German tradition of rabbits laying colourful eggs as a treat for children, the resurrection in Christian faith also being associated with rebirth, coinciding with spring. It, it all makes sense, right? You can see how all this stuff intertwined to kind of create what we now know as the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I I do see that. Um, And and I can sort of conceptually see it. But where we've got to now is that we're in a place where, I mean, I guess we tell children, but it's not just exclusively children. I would say that the myth of the Easter Bunny is bigger than kids, like, we would, you know, even adults will go and hide chocolate in the garden for each other just for fun and we'll say it's the Easter Bunny. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is also another Christian connection um, with eggs. Uh, as in the 13th century, eggs were traditionally considered a forbidden food during Lent. So eating eggs after Lent and around Easter may have stemmed from that and then it became connected with this pagan and German hair folklore and it all it all sprung from there, basically. That's interesting. So there's, so there's a couple of things about the egg bit. There's the fertility bit. There's the them being forbidden during Lent. Bang. This is where it seems this whole thing is entwined. Okay, that's super interesting. I wonder why they were forbidden during Lent, I guess... Well, I don't really understand the laws, but yeah. You, you I, give up something, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you give up something. I mean, yeah, no, that makes sense. Which also, and I don't know, and other people may know this out here, but it also kind of pancake day as well, as well made me think of that because it's pretty egg-based, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super egg-based. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, interestingly, Ben, not all countries go with the concept of the Easter Bunny. Did you know in Switzerland... Some people have the Easter cuckoo. The Easter cuckoo? Yeah. And does the Easter cuckoo lay chocolate eggs? Yeah, I don't know about that, but they have the Easter cuckoo. I think it is associated (laughs) with eggs. It makes more sense, actually, because at least it lays eggs. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then in some parts of Germany, there's the Easter fox rather than a bunny. Mm -hmm. And the Easter rooster, which all though it's involved in egg production, doesn't actually lay them <laughs> itself. So, so, yeah, that's kind of stretching it as well. Literally he's more involved stretching. in the management of the yeah, eggs yeah. rather than... He's more, yeah, he's, he's, more, he's more your middle management than your, uh, than your production line, I yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of the Easter fox. Yes, I do too. Yeah, I think that's great. So there's there's a point in time where... We move from this time of the year is a celebration of, I mean, I guess it goes back to celebrating the planting of crops and the days becoming longer and things becoming more plentiful so you can eat better. Yeah, the rebirth of the countryside in a way because it all comes back into life. Right, right. And and so from your readings of this the the idea of bringing chocolate into it it is just um it's something that just symbolizes a feasting kind of time i think it does stem from that and then connected with eggs um 
And I guess it's a bit like the kind of when it went to America as well, when you've got the Halloween traditions as well there of treats and candy that you can see how that you can make this association with eggs and treats make sense to make chocolate eggs, right? And and it's interesting because what I what I then did from this this starting point, I then got a little bit obsessed on my search about finding other stories of leopardia, which are rabbits and hares. <laughs> All right, coming here with your fancy learnings. Okay. If I not if I not googled it, I wouldn't be able to say that sentence. <laughs> But I did, because I did look for kind of, you know, paranormal sightings of the Easter Bunny. I couldn't really come across anything that had much credibility, to be honest. Um, But what it did start me finding was I started to think about the Irish folklore of the puka. Ah, I hadn't even thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah. So the word comes from an old Irish uh, word, which means goblin. So um, I was making the paranormal connection here. You see what I did? Yeah. So the puka uh, is a paranormal shape-shifting entity that can take on any form that it chooses. However, it generally prefers to take the form of a horse, a dog, a goat, and you guessed it, a rabbit. Right. Okay. Now, in Ireland, they are said to prefer to live in rural areas, especially small mountainous lakes and springs, beautifully known as puka holes, <laughs> which I okay. love. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that. brilliant, yeah. Pukas can talk. In fact, they love to talk. Sometimes they give advice or make prophecies. It is said, I didn't know this, but it is said that if a puka does stop to chat, if it sits on your left side, it is likely to be a mischievous spirit. If it sits on your right side, it is likely to be more benevolent or helpful. Now, that's super interesting because that reminds me of the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Yep, yep. And that association with the left you know like like as a left-handed person i know the history of people with left left-handed were originally seen as being cursed by the devil because they were using their left hand so there is this association with the left and the devil which goes back quite a long way ah gosh this is so interesting so so do you do you think you make a direct connection between left-handedness and the devil because of this legend I don't know if it's this legend, but it's certainly there is that connection that's been put out there. I think it, I would have thought that the left and right-handed thing probably did stem from, you know, being different. I mean, we know when we've talked about, you know, witch trials and things like that, people who who were different, let's say, it was almost seen as some kind of curse or there was something strange about them. But I remember... Even even when I was a small child, I remember being at school and them trying to get me to write right-handed. Really, I'd write left-handed, wow. yeah. Which is, you know, in in that's pretty modern day times. I mean, they didn't think I was cursed by a devil or anything, but just wasn't seem right that you you would you would write with your left hand. I said right and left quite a lot in that sentence, but you know what I mean. I do know exactly what you mean. Okay, that's that's really interesting because I think a lot of people will know that angel and devil on the shoulder from i guess cartoons like that is uh, that is a a a trope that comes up in like tom and jerry and things like that there was another bit that i read about the puka that um some of the mythology around it is so strong that in some old uh cottages if you had the gate the entrance you'd have the le- the right side would be smooth like stone and the left side would be kind of knobbly stone so that the puka would sit on the sla- the right side rather than the left side so you're casting out the devil in a way yeah so if it comes it's not going to be able to sit on the left side so you don't get right. a mischievous one right 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 so what I'm getting from these stories you're saying is, so 
if 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 we're take, taking it from, I, I guess the puka is kind of a Celtic derivation. Yep. Yep. So the 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 bunny is probably the most, I guess, associated with spring because of its um, sexual proclivities. Yep. And then we are deciding that it's. Well, that was weird. Zoom Hello. just crashed, but just audacity, went. audacity, still good. Um, but I was and still my, here. my computer just suddenly went blank. That is really weird. Ooh. Okay. Well, well, let's talk about that. That is quite. So, so something weird has just happened while we've been doing the podcast. Being Ben are over Zoom, Ben, you were talking about this kind yes. of association with the devil sitting on your shoulder and the puka, and then you disappeared off the Zoom, and your computer didn't uh, crash and the audio didn't crash, but you just went. Yeah. So you so just come back about I, thirty seconds the, later. The Zoom call really is off my account. Uh, everything on my computer. I'm using a MacBook Pro. I've got Zoom open. It's my Zoom account. We were just talking. Suddenly, everything went dark. Last week, we had a problem that we didn't tell you guys about where Audacity crashed, which is what uh, I use as a recording tool on my side of the fence. And we had to redo the Trains, Planes and Automobile podcast. Audacity is still running. I'm looking at it now. Um, I had to resume the Zoom call but that is so. I'm not. I, I don't want to say it's paranormal, but that is really weird. That doesn't happen. This is the same computer I use for my business day to day, and um, I'm I'm feeling it now. It is yeah. a, it, like Max do get hot. It is a bit hot. The fans going, but everything else is functioning. All's good. Um, that's weird. That's really weird. That's weird. It's weird because we're in the middle of talking about a mischievous spirit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, that, and that's why I had the other week when the TV turned itself off. We, well, on. That I talked about, I think, on last week's podcast when I was editing the week before's podcast and my son's TV turned itself on when nobody was here. So ooh, we've got some weirdness going on. Um the puka, well, we'll carry on. We'll keep going. Hopefully, we won't lose lose something again. But that was strange. Well, the puka, you lovely mischievous spirit, don't ruin any more of the podcast. Um, it's made its way into modern culture, notably in two of my all time favourite movies. Ben, mm-hmm. Harvey with James Stewart. Okay, that's my mum's favourite movie. So that's a puka. For anyone who's not seen that movie, firstly, why not? Because it's one of the greatest movies of all time and James Stewart is just amazing in it. But the basic premise of it is James Stewart has a six-foot white rabbit invisible friend. Now, he's, well, he's invisible to everyone but James Stewart. And this giant rabbit gives Stewart advice and guidance on how to live his life. Sometimes he becomes a little mischievous in the process and hilarity ensues in the film <laughs> it is a brilliant movie if if you've not seen it go and see it but I, i'd never really associated that I, I wanted to talk about it because it was an invisible giant rabbit but i didn't realize that there was this connection with the puka that it was supposed to be a puka in that movie oh no i didn't yeah so so that was proclaimed by the producers was it yeah yeah Ah. Now, whether it was just the inspiration rather than the... It's, obviously, they refer to it in that way in the film, but uh, that, was the, that was the inspiration for it, at least. And another of my favourite films that, when I was researching, said features a puka is Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah. So you've got Frank, who's this entity in a rabbit costume who interacts with the main character, Donnie, and there's probably one of my all-time favourite scenes in a movie when they're in the cinema theatre watching The Evil Dead and the rabbit turns up and they have a conversation. It's absolutely brilliant. Again, I didn't really associate with the puka, but 
and, and even now I'm sitting here going, well, I'm not sure, but that's the research I found that it, again, whether it's just based on a puka or whether it's more of an influence in the film that I missed, I don't know. Yeah, okay. So I guess, I guess we, if we were going to draw a conclusion, the various forms of the puka, one of them is uh, a hare rabbit and the way you describe the puka it almost feels like it is uh like a signs of the zodiac kind of thing and right. and a rabbit and a hare would represent rebirth and regrowth which is spring which is easter mm. but to be clear a puka can according to the legend shape shift into anything it wants so it's often referred to as a horse or a rabbit, but I think a rabbit and a horse are probably the two most famous ones that it's known for. Right, but right. It, but it can sh- it can shift into anything. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. So the origins of the Easter Bunny feel like they are lost in time in terms of there is a group of people who start using the puka that in in its rabbit form in a way to describe what is happening around spring is is that is that a fair statement uh, well i think it's it's the puka my my reading of it is it's the puka it's the ancient pagan fertility festival and then there's this german tradition of the hare that lays the eggs the colored eggs I think all those things have got intertwined and mixed together is my understanding mm, of it. Mm. And and you're right, because the bunny is such a fertile creature, it does represent fertility and then you get the eggs that also represent fertility coming into it as well. Yeah. And rebirth and regeneration and all the Easter stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... I'm, it's not so it's not a historical I haven't checked every historical fact but that's my digging around and my search of what I found which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So what I did do then was move on to more kind of general paranormal rabbitness. <laughs> <laughs> general paranormal rabbitness. Normal rabbitness. Would you like to hear about the phantom rabbit monster of Rochdale? I don't think there's a person alive who wouldn't want to hear about that. Of course I do. I, I think you're right. So I'm taking this story uh, from uh, a, a website called Beachcombers Combing's Bizarre History Blog, which is a really good blog if you've not seen it. So go and check that out. So this creature, uh, the Rochdale rabbit, is also known as the Baum rabbit, B-A-U-M taking its name from a passageway leading to St Mary's Church in Rochdale, where it seems to have been first sighted by locals as early as the mid-17th century. Okay. That's pretty... That's a long time ago. It's like 400 years ago. Yeah. The rabbit was uh, reported and talked about in the Manchester City News on 18th of July, 1896, including this quote, uh, which was from one of the reporters, I think, who said... I have twice met with those who believed in the Baum rabbit, i.e. the phantom rabbit that is supposed to haunt the cloths. Cloths, meaning in this case, valley. Right. It's an old English yeah, word. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bit like the puka, it is said to be a shapeshifter and its shape shifts into other animals. But it, and its rabbit's form does tend to also shift in size and appearance depending on who is telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, yeah. It's sometimes the size of a man, it's sometimes smaller, but maybe that's just the life of a shapeshifter. But it's quite legendary in the Rochdale area. Um, <laughs> I'm going to come on to another... These are short stories, by the way. I'm going to come on to another one a little bit later. But researching that story... Took me down another rabbit hole. Ba-boom. <laughs> ben, if I told you that a former US president was attacked by a giant swimming rabbit while in his fishing boat, you would probably think it's fake news, right? 
well, not the way you framed it, no. Uh, <laughs> is that Jagger Hoover? No, it's Jimmy Carter. Oh. So it is true. And the version of the story I'm going to quote from the Washington Post. It's a look back at the story, and I quote from the Washington Post. It was August 1979, and President Jimmy Carter was taking some time off before the 1980 campaign began in earnest. He was fishing on a lake near his home in Plains, GA, when he was attacked by a killer rabbit. That is the story that Jody Powell, Carter's press secretary, told the news media at the time. And even though many doubted Carter, the White House photographer, who happened to be there, snapped a picture showing the incident. No, come on. Yes, (laughs) yes. Now, I will put that photo on our Facebook album that we always do. Show it to me now, show it to me now, that's crazy. Okay, all right, hold on, hold on. So, okay, so what you've just sent me is a picture of a rabbit attacking the President of the United States. Yeah. Okay. Now, I have to say, <laughs> the words giant rabbit, I think, are doing quite a, heavy, a lot of heavy lifting, right? Okay, it's loading. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got that, yeah. Um... So we're gonna. I'll put that photo on our Facebook album at TQM Podcast. I've just sent it to Ben. I'll see what he thinks, but I think the words "giant rabbit" are doing quite a lot of heavy lifting. Okay, I've <laughs> I've just opened it. I I think the words "picture" are doing quite high, <laughs> what a lot of heavy lifting here. So what I can if I, uh, you can't see a rabbit, can you? I can't see a rabbit. It's what I, what I can see, listeners, is a a very clear picture of a man in what looks like a light denim shirt, jeans, a blue cap. He's got an oar in his right hand and he's on a flat boat, uh, like a rowing boat. And he appears to be on some water that is quite calm. And then to the right of him underneath his right arm where he's holding the oar is an indistinct splash <laughs> yeah. and well that is all i'm taking from that photograph i really <laughs> kind of deflated i was expecting at least some <laughs> i just set it up well <laughs> yeah yeah i i was expecting a massive rabbit well, Ben, that didn't stop the media going to town with cartoons and illustrations showing President Carter fighting off a rabbit the size of a killer whale. No, they didn't. <laughs> I think they were slightly uh, slightly private eye-esque jokes, but kind of cartoony. But yes, it was put like that. So that picture is supposed to be him fending off a giant rabbit. Well, Car- President Carter has confirmed... That that was him, yeah, fending off a giant rabbit. No, he retold, come he retold, on. He retold the story in an interview with Howard Kurtz in 2015. The pre- the president explained that the rabbit was being chased by hounds. It leapt into the water and began swimming towards his boat. Carter used a paddle to shoo the bunny away. The president said there was nothing to it when Jody, his press secretary told it it became a very humorous and still lasting story well now i just think that's a horrible story because he shooed away a rabbit that was seeking safety there's no giant in it it's just or 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 attacking it was just what it took he does say that they are he did clarify that they he where he lives there are lots of wild hares and rabbits and they quite regularly swim in the lake and they're very good swimmers apparently so he wasn't concerned for it but whether that was him covering his arse I don't know well I just I I don't have any respect for him now he could have saved that poor animal I hope the hounds didn't get it that sounds like a horrible story but it's also it did make me think you've got Jimmy Carter with two stories because I just thought 
when I saw the headline, I thought, okay, this is a man who saw a UFO mm. and was attacked by a giant bunny. <laughs> it's like you couldn't make it up. <laughs> well, I think somebody did because <laughs> that looks like perhaps the splash of a normal bunny. <laughs> yeah, rather than a giant bunny. Rather than a giant bunny, yeah. Okay. Well, let's hop on to another story. Oh, stop. <laughs> I found this one at Beachcombing Bizarre History Blog as well. This one is about a ghost rabbit that is the size of a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope but, it's not bad. Uh, it is from the Linvey Valley in Wales. Now, this story really starts with the sightings of a ghostly nun. We love that start, don't we? Uh, uh, do you know, you say ghostly nun and I've pulled my chair up and uh, I've got my cup <laughs> of tea immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there. Well, in this beautiful part of Wales are the ruins of an old castle called Castle Koch. Legend has it that a chest of gold is buried somewhere in the ruins and is guarded by supernatural entities. I'm not sure why they would guard it, but there you go. One local villager, I think this was in the 70s, said they spotted the figure of a tall, ethereal-looking nun cross the castle moat, climb onto the top of the ruins, and then vanish. So it starts with a nun. Mm-hmm. Spectral nun. Mm-hmm. After this incident, a farmer claims he was standing on the ruins at twilight and saw the ghostly nun. The farmer said his dogs ran towards the entity only to recoil when the nun suddenly transformed into a menacing rabbit, which was the size of a sheep. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's not good when... Yeah, well, it's not good when a nun transforms into anything, but... well, I, Into a sheep. I, I, it, well, it, it, it reminded me of the puka, that story. Right. Because they can shapeshift, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was just going to say also a uh, skinwalker, but yeah, I wondered yeah. whether this was like a Western version of the the skinwalker. But you get rabbit, rabbits and sheep, yeah. Well, rabbit, sheep, and and surprisingly nuns. nuns. Yeah, but yeah. After that incident, a number of ghost hunters also spotted the nun. I think they were on a ghost hunt. Uh, which this this would be if you're on a ghost hunt this would be the mother load right so y- y- you're on a ghost hunt they spot the nun who once again transformed into a hare and then vanished into thin air okay okay well <laughs> she's obviously keen on creatures with big ears um <sighs> What do I think to that? I suppose my first reaction is, why transform into a hare before you disappear into thin air? Why not just disappear into thin air? But, yeah, no, fair enough. Well, again, I just wondered whether it could be the... um, It could be the shape-shifting going on. You just don't know, do you? You don't know. No, okay. Well, so, so rabbits... Ghost rabbits are rare, right? They're rare bits. <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying today. <laughs> they could also be valuable. So there is an online game that many of you out there who have kids will be aware of called Adopt Me. It's on the Roblox platform. And it uh, has developed into a game where you hatch pets from eggs, weirdly. You adopt them and you care for them. And as of January 2022, it's been played, blows my mind this, 27 billion times. Did you say billion? Billion. It's been played 27 billion times. Gee, wow. Okay. So, so for Halloween 2020, they launched a limited edition ultra-rare pet called the Ghost Rabbit. It's a pastel blue-coloured bunny with long ears and black eyes. I think it glows as well in the game. The pet was only available in the game's store for a limited period and since then has become sought after for trading. So I did read an article and it said they are currently worth 14 dogs or cats or one bat dragon. 
the inflation these days is crazy. I remember with I, one bat dragon, you could have got a whole load of them. Yeah. I did realise when I was researching that bit that I am an old man and I have no <laughs> idea of what I've just said. <laughs> but in conclusion, the ghost bunny in Adopt Me is very sought after. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the, well, well, sure. That all sounds that all sounds very credible and like uh you know i can i can take it all in but i'm still perplexed but the, it all it, the what you've just described there there it seems like there is some sort of inherent belief in humans that there is an etheric element to rabbits i'm going to end this episode with a very strange bunny-based spooky story from 2015. It involves a girl who was 14 years old at the time and lived in Liverpool. Her name is Anna Mullen. She had two rabbits called Daisy and Dozy, and in August of 2015 was filming them on her iPhone in their hutch in her back garden. When she reviewed the footage, she realised something wasn't right. She spotted flickering and orbs of light around the hutch, and then in the video, you see a plastic peg sitting on top of the rabbit hutch fly off onto the ground and start spinning. We'll put links to the video. You've seen it, Ben. Yeah. It's pretty freaky. I, right? I, I just watched it and I wasn't expecting what I just saw. So I thought that was like a really cute pet video. Um, her rabbits are adorable. I really like rabbits. I'm massively allergic, but I do really like rabbits. There's, right. there's a couple of gorgeous flop-eareds, quite big ones. They're lolloping around. They're getting back into their hutch. Presumably they're going to have a nice sleep. And then there's a blue clothes peg on the top of the hutch that goes flying off. And I was not expecting that. And it's that weird, like, it's not even super paranormal activity. It's just... yeah. And and I guess there'll be people who will go, well, it's wind or something like that. But no, that is actually quite weird. That is actually quite weird. I'll give you that. Yeah, I didn't notice the orbs. No, I didn't. No. She talks about, um, but I saw the, the peg fly off. It doesn't look like it's, I mean, you know, people can do amazing things with videos, but it didn't look like it was a fake video to me. Like you said, there could be a, a logical explanation. Alice said of the incident, it wasn't until I showed it to other people that they pointed out what was in the video. I hadn't noticed it, but when I did, I thought it was really spooky. And the more I watched, the creepier I got. Anna said they bought the hutch secondhand and she believes it may have been haunted by a previous furry inhabitant. Oh, that's quite cute, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind that. We don't normally do videos, but that was a pretty good one. So we will put links to that on our social media if you go to at TQM podcast. Well, like I said, it's a bit of a short and sweet episode this week, Ben. Just we weren't going to do one, but we put something together on the Easter Bunny because we thought it was better than not being here. And I have to say that when I started looking into it, I thought I'm not going to find a whole bunny based episode <laughs> <laughs> and okay it's not it's not a it's not it hasn't bred like a rabbit but there was enough in there to to keep a spring in your step at least i think uh, don't you think please stop please just stop yeah no there was there was and it's uh when when you do when you got two people who are putting together a podcast in the time that when they're not working and also you you get encountered like the easter holiday it's the first holiday after christmas when you can actually just kind of like spend a few days with people and not like be freaking out about monday and stuff like that uh but we didn't we didn't want to stop the feed because we're so grateful for all your listeners and uh it's really it's really good and that i've always thought there's something it's really weird about the easter bunny and i think like the weirdest thing i find about easter is you walk into all the shops and you get you get the chocolate eggs and 
you get your Easter cards and stuff. But it's like the the Christian Church claims it as their festival. You know, fair enough. They can they can have that. But it's even less Christian than Christmas because it's just like literally. Oh, we've got four days off. Let's eat a load of chocolate and do this. But then you start like we we've got uh, godchildren who are young. I mean, I don't think the youngest believes in the Easter Bunny anymore. But I don't think there's actually that much to believe in. It's kind of like, why wouldn't you embrace the Easter Bunny? I think the Easter Bunny is a cool thing to embrace. It's an ex- it's an excuse for an egg hunt, which has nothing more fun. Oh, than it's absolutely there's nothing more fun than an egg hunt. It's just brilliant. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. It's a brilliant holiday, and. Uh, with the world in the horrific state it is, the sun gets a little bit warmer, a little bit brighter. Things start popping out the ground, lovely flowers. You talk about, you know, <clears throat> the Easter bunny. You got your chocolates coming through. It's just a little bit of joy that we all need. And yeah. I really, I really, really love it. But I do, I do wish that there was I do wish the Easter Bunny was real I do wish the Easter Bunny when we're asleep he pops in through the bunny flap and uh, leaves his chocolates (laughs) I I wish Harvey right James Stewart's rabbit was real because yeah there's that lovely image of because nobody else can see it apart from him and everybody thinks he's crazy. And then there's a lovely portrait, I think, painting that he has on the wall, which is James Stewart with this six-foot bunny with his arm round him, which is just... It's a lovely image. We'll put that in the album as well. The other thing that uh, is... We may put a couple of pictures on our social media, which I'm obsessed with, are those um, creepy... Easter bunny photos, you know, like the old ones. With oh, really God, yes. Scared yes, yes. kids and stuff. So uh, Google that or we'll we'll put some links to some of that stuff because those are just like, <laughs> they are the scariest. Some of them are the scariest thing I think I've ever seen. Much more scary than the paranormal. Just this kind of creepy guy in a suit looking like really odd. Yeah. So we'll put some of those out as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate the fact that... Um, You've you've kind of brought some more ethereal nature to rabbits because I do think I do think they're a creature which is weirdly associated with um, kind of paranormal activity and peculiar activity, and I don't know whether it's because it like if you grew up in the UK in the same era as us, so if you were say ten in 1985 chances are your parents would have cheerfully put on Watership Down for you to watch and you would have gone to bed and not slept for 10 days because Watership Down is a horror movie disguised as a children's film. It's terrifying it's horrible, it is gruesome, it is disgusting it is not something that you should show to anybody let alone (laughs) a child. One of my uh, my daughter bought me she just knows me so well she bought me a fantastic mug for father's day a few years ago and it is a rabbit reading watership town and the little bubble with the rabbit going fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) well that is that is quite correct and i think rabbits for all of you know, I don't think we probably do, we don't really think about them for the rest of the year. They don't get the attention that dogs and cats do. But if you've ever owned a rabbit, and I grew up with rabbits, my my mother was a school teacher, and that's when I referenced her favourite film was Harvey, and the rabbit that I grew up with was called Harvey, and he was like the class rabbit, and then we had various other ones than that. And my mother would care for them like she would care for a dog or a cat or a child or anything. They they lived in the house. They had wonderful straw bedding and stuff like that. And they are very special creatures, but they are a little bit unusual. They do have a different plane of reality to us. 
And I like to think that those people that you were describing who uh, were talking about them in terms of them being supernatural entities or at least supernatural entities turning into them observed those the behavior of those rabbits and said yeah that's not quite there's something there there's something there there's something there and i think they are they just wonderful creatures and even if the easter bunny doesn't exist we should still hope that he does and that he brings us all the chocolate that we want because god damn it we need it right now because everything's <laughs> awful and the easter bunny is a little glint of hope for everybody so i do hope that all of you at home manage to leave a little easter bunny present for a, a friend a relation a child a partner a grandparent anybody and just bring a little bit of rabbit joy into your lives because chances are there is probably an ethereal rabbit in the other plane who's looking at you giving you a little bit of a wink and a nod going ah, that's what i wanted to do yeah good on you i i I agree, and I hope you out there have, have enjoyed our little additional Easter treats, and uh, we will see you next week on The Quantum Mechanics. We'll see you next week. Have a lovely, lovely time, and uh, please like, subscribe. We love you all for your comments, everything. You make it all worthwhile. Thank you so much. Make, make our podcast breed like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. See you next time. <laughs>